Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome. A Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. And Alex, glad you're here. How are you? I'm glad you're here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Really good. We've got uh, a lot of good things going on uh, deal-wise and uh, ramping up. Or actually, uh, got like four different like new construction closings in which we're selling out of uh, the property. So nice. it's good. Yeah. What are you going to do with all that money? Send it, besides send it to Uncle Sam. Pay taxes on it. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. In fact, that might lead into a really good reason for this call, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, um, we have a guest today. We're going to talk about self-directed stuff and self-directed IRAs and investments for the self-directed investor. And um, it's going to be a good conversation. The, um, so, Alex, I just want to ask you about your marketing. Is it still going strong? Are you still on the hunt for leads and deals? Are you always, always, you got to always be on the, on the, uh, lookout for leads and deals. Um, the pay-per-click is, uh, still going strong. I, I just got a, uh, contract day before yesterday, uh, for 45,000. And, uh, just before this podcast, actually, I signed it for, uh, a $15,000 profit. So I looked at it and I said, you know, I was tempted to keep it myself and do it myself and do the the whole project, but I was like, ah, uh, you know, it would be double, you know, fifteen thousand or thirty thousand if I was to do the new construction myself. But I decided to uh, just assign that one uh, to that particular uh, investor and and move on down the road. You know, we've got like eight other new construction projects getting ready to go, so just yeah. one of those things. You know, you just decide. All right. You can do it. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll just take the quick money and run. You know, um, I've been – I'm super pumped because in the last week I have literally talked to more students and clients, coaching clients, that have done more deals than maybe ever before in my short coaching career. I've been coaching folks for maybe four or five years now. And uh, I'm so excited because – uh, I also am coaching bird dogs, right? So there's people that are actually out there in St. Louis right now going finding deals for me. And uh, this one guy um, calls me with a lead. Says, hey, Joe, it's listed for 28. And get this, the realtor says the the owner will take anything above 10000 So $10,001. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> so, okay, I'll, let's see, I'll offer them fifteen. and see what they take, right? Are you serious? No, no, I'm just joking. But like, oh, okay. <laughs> why would a seller? First of all, why would the realtor? The realtor probably is not a, should not be telling people that. But basically, bottom line is motivated realtor. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. Um, that could be a deal. You know, we're probably going to pick it up and flip it. In fact, my my wholesaler is going to go look at it today, and he called what me. What are you going to get it for? Uh, probably will offer nine, eight or nine. Because right, if, well, if they you tell go. you the minimum they'll take is ten, I mean they'll take okay. eight. All right, you're, you're uh, okay. I really was almost like, seriously, dude, did you offer fifteen thousand? <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll probably offer eight or nine. We're going to go look at it, and we'll, it'll depends. But we could probably flip it pretty quick for fifteen. Okay. And you know the cool thing is, all they need to do is look on the MLS, see that it's listed for twenty eight, 
And here we're offering it for 15 and we'll just there do you a, go. a double close on it. Uh, but it's cool. I, I, and this is from a bird dog. I didn't pay anything for this lead. And my bird dog is going to get a nice, happy uh, referral fee for that. But I also talked the other day to another client in St. Louis in my backyard. He just did a $25,000 deal. He actually closes in five days on this deal. And the buyer's already put down a large earnest money deposit, so it's good to go. It's in a great neighborhood. But get this. This lead came from a hang-up. And I don't, did I tell you this deal yet? Absolutely. I, did I talk about this last podcast? No, okay, not okay. this deal. Not, well, unless you did another one. But. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm just going to tell it again because so, it's so cool. It was a hang-up. So he said, you know, he's one of those guys who just takes massive, massive action. He gets a hang-up, and he calls him back anyway. And, you know, I was Absolutely. talking to him about it, and I, he said, you know what, I don't even care about their voicemails. I don't, I just, I do listen to them, but I just, like, skip them through, like, when I'm halfway listening to it. Because a lead is, a phone number is a lead. So he calls everybody the same, whether it's a voicemail or a hang-up, et cetera. This guy was a hang-up, and he, he just is real matter-of-fact and says, you know what, I get a lot of postcards, but I'm just ready to sell right now. And I got your postcard at the right time, and I want 90000 for it, and that's it. So he says, I want ninety for it. And he just looks up on Zillow. This guy is new. He's only been investing for maybe a month. And, you know, he runs a quick, some numbers. Oh, you know, like, okay, that's, that's about 70, 80% of Zillow. That's great. So he goes to his house, gets it under contract, and then turns around. For and how much? For, for 90. Okay. Because that was a good number, right? And he doesn't know how to negotiate really even. He's just so great. Okay. And then he starts advertising it for 105. Now, he has a small buyer's list of about 20, 25 folks. They're active buyers, right? And he starts emailing it out to his buyers, and nobody responds to it. He finally talks to one of his buyers who buys a lot of deals, and he says to him, you know what? You're just so full of it. He, the, the, the buyer starts uh, uh, not, uh, not railing on him, but comes down on him and says, you know, you're just advertising that property like that so you can start building your buyer's list. It's not, you don't really have that deal. And the guy said, well, yeah, I do. Really, I do. So then what he did is he actually bumped the price up because he realized – Maybe I'm advertising this too low, and people just aren't believing that it's real. So he bumped it up from 105 to 115, puts uh, it on Craigslist, puts it on Postlets, and starts getting flooded with calls. And we, he also sent it to me, and I sent it to my buyers list. And uh, starts getting flooded with calls and gets it under contract immediately. And people start telling him, hey, I'll pay you more than 115. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I already gave, I already gave it to this other guy. So he's got another contract for 90. He's selling it for 115. And sometimes, you know, you can advertise uh, a product or a house or something. And, and if you price it too low, it actually discredits you. And it's so funny if he, when he raised his price and he did a little bit more advertising, the whole, all of a sudden. Either that or he had a really bad buyer's list. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that, <laughs> he did have a, probably a really bad buyer's list. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. That's probably what it was. A combination of all of that. But anyway, I, I I just so excited for this guy because here he is about a month or two months into it, and he just takes massive action. And he's one of those guys ready fire aim. It's like he, yes. he calls me. He goes, oh, I got this contract now. What do I do? <laughs> and I said, Well, you start you start advertising it, right? He said, Okay. And then he's got I got I got a bunch of buyers. Uh, now what do I do? So he doesn't even worry about. Well, what do I do step seven and eight? He's just like, okay, what's the next step? And then he does it. And then he calls me, what do I do next? And I tell him, and then he does it. And uh, so it's so exciting to see these guys that I'm working with. Uh, there, there was, I just interviewed a guy 
Um, this is another guy in St. Louis. It's crazy. These are three people deals I'm talking about in St. Louis. But I coach people all over the country. This guy, I, he, his name is Rick, and I interviewed him. And he's going to be. This is going to be a, an episode in the future. Um, he, I put, I posted a job on Craigslist looking for an admin assistant. He actually applied for my admin assistant job. I talked to him on the phone. I thought that's kind of. I'm, I'm not sexist, but I thought that was kind of weird to have this dude who is older than me be my <laughs> admin assistant. I, maybe I am sexist. But I just said, you know, I don't think it's going to work out. That's another podcast. <laughs> Whatever. So <laughs> then I, it was actually the reason why I didn't hire him and I hired this other person is because I already knew this other person and, and she was going to be real. I knew she was going to be real good. Well, three months later, I post a job on Craigslist looking for an acquisitions manager. The same guy... Uh, applies and he calls me and I talked to him and I said, you know, this guy's actually really nice. I work with him for about, I hired him. We did probably 20, 25 deals together. And, uh, for various circumstances, he says, you know what, this is great, but I'm going to have to, I have to do this on my own now. And I totally understood. And we talk about that in the podcast interview, but I talked to him yesterday. He's done over a hundred deals in the last 12 months, a hundred deals. And I'm not taking all the credit because this guy is, is real smart and he just does it. But, I mean, I did point him in the right direction at the very beginning, and I told him one thing that's really Is he important. doing regular wholesale or lease options or a Reg- combination? Regular wholesaling. And this is what he does. He finds the buyers first. He, I, fo- I told him at the very beginning, we're, the way we're going to do this is we're going to find the buyers who have the money, who are looking for turnkey rentals, and we're going to just send a bunch of direct mail to them. And then once we find the buyers... We're not even going to do any direct-to-reseller marketing. We did a little bit at first. We're just going to start spreading the word out to everybody we know in St. Louis that we're looking for deals. So we started contacting all the investors, all the realtors, all the property managers, everybody that we know. Go to the RIA groups, telling everybody, hey, we've got $5 million burning a hole in our pocket. Send us your deals. Send us your deals. So all he does now for marketing for leads is send out a weekly email. Hey, this is what I'm looking for. These areas, this price range, these number of bedrooms, et cetera, et cetera. And he's getting flooded with leads. And he's just He's just wholesaling these things like crazy because he has a good, wow. solid buyer's list. And so I'm so excited about that. And just know that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like so proud of these guys. And I'm just so pumped and excited because I'm seeing that this podcast, the coaching that we're doing with folks and helping people, uh, is having an impact in changing people's lives. You know, this guy. Well, that's awesome. He's, uh, he, he's in the ministry part time. And uh, he used to be a pastor. Uh, oh, wow. You know, he's, he's, he's making probably four or five times what he used to make uh, in the ministry. And so now what he's doing, and since he's been in the ministry for so long, he didn't really have, and I, I, I may be completely speaking out of line here, because I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I, I think he didn't even have much of a retirement plan, right? Because it's hard for someone in ministry to save for retirement. And here he has, he's now starting to buy uh, rental properties free and clear, and at this pace, he's going to be able to have probably a dozen rental properties in the next 12 to 16 months, he said, I think. And he'll be able to retire if he wanted to with the passive income that he's getting from those rental properties. So what would you say, just just curious, uh, on 100 deals like that, what was his average deal profit? Well, I'd rather not share. Okay. Because um, yeah, he's him and I talked about that and... and uh, I just rather not share, but it's it's very, okay. he's sitting very very comfortably right now. Sure, um, he's do, he's doing great. So that was uh, 
Brian, we're so sorry about making you sit through all of that and listen we to We got it. everybody all excited about deals. It's okay. <laughs> well, Brian is – this is Brian Ellis, guys. Uh, and first, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Um, by the time you're listening to this, I think you would have already heard my interview with Rick in, in the prior episode. So if you haven't heard that interview with Rick, go back to our website and listen to that. It's amazing. I'm going to start interviewing more students, Alex. I'm going to start interviewing this, these guys who are doing deals. And uh, I just, I love it. I love helping coaching people. So if, if, you, if any of you are interested in, in getting some coaching and assistance, go to the website, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Um, you can look me up on there and somehow I'll probably have a link soon on how to look, get into that. So, all right. So guys, we have, we have Brian Ellis on the line, uh, on, on our podcast here. He has a new podcast that just came out, Self-Directed Investor Radio. And Brian Ellis has been in the industry for a long time. Um, great guy. Uh, I've, Alex and I have both heard of Brian. He's kind of a legend in the, <laughs> in the, uh, internet. Checks in the mail, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's well known in the, uh, education industry and, uh, does a lot of deals. He's been involved in real estate for a long, long time. And, um, I'm real honored to have you on the show, Brian. Well, thank you. I've, I've heard so many good things about you guys and, and about this show. It's, it's a real honor to be here. Well, we here's the thing, Brian. Though we've been on, we've been doing this podcast for how many years, Alex? Four, three, or well, four? Was it like eleven? Maybe yeah, it was twenty eleven. So four years. And and you, Brian, have been doing your podcast now for how many months? Three and a half weeks. Three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you have more reviews than we do. What's up? With wow. That? <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We are higher in the rankings in iTunes than you are, though. Just Give me a few more days. Let that sink in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a competition. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, congratulations to you, though. You're doing this podcast. It's taken off. You're doing really, really well with it. And um, talk a little bit, Brian. I want to get into your story about you know how you got started in real estate and stuff, but Talk about your podcast first. What is the Self-Directed Investor Radio Show all about? Joe, there are millions of people, uh, depending on which studies you believe, up to 40 million people. I think that number might be a little high, but millions of people out there who have a pretty decent amount of money and want to see that money grow, but they have a gut-level intuition that what they're getting from Wall Street isn't really working for them as well as it should be. Uh, these guys have to deal with the awareness every night when they go to bed that even if the stock market did really well for them today, something really dramatically different could have happened by the time they wake up tomorrow. And that's really a pretty high-stress situation. So Self-Directed Investor Radio is really all about reaching out to those people and saying there are alternatives. There is a better way. There is such a thing as investing safely and investing well so mm. that you, you make a lot of money but you do it in a way that you just don't have to worry about it. And that's the mission of Self-Directed Investor Radio. Can you give some examples, Brian, of what Absolutely. you're talking about? We, yeah, sure. There, there, uh, there's a trifecta of asset classes that we refer to as the, the holy trinity of, of asset classes. And they are uh, real estate notes, tax lien certificates, and cash flow producing real estate. Huh. And uh, among those three things – if you spread your, if particularly if you base your portfolio around good 
real estate notes and then also have a good smattering of tax liens and real est- and income producing real estate then what you'll find is you have a, an a portfolio that produces regular income that's predictable that's low risk and that has a potential to grow for the future and the low risk and predictable thing can never be said for the folks who are investing everything in the stock market and frankly we can beat stock market returns pretty handily on a regular basis. So we win every single time using that trifecta of asset classes wisely. Nice. So why do the show, Brian? I mean, what's in it for you? Are you just trying to educate people on this stuff because you have a passion and interest in it? Why are you taking all the time? And if you don't mind me asking, sure. Why, yeah. Well, why is this so important to you? Well, it's so important to me because Number one, I love that medium. We, I actually had a radio show here in Atlanta for a brief period of time, and that went pretty well, but uh, we didn't have a real clear picture of what we wanted to use it for, but I fell in love with the notion of having a radio show or, or a podcast, as it were. And it turns out that demographically, the people who listen to podcasts, uh, a whole lot of them are fairly affluent, well-educated people who really do match the criteria that we are looking for. So I'm using it as a medium to get the word out because here's the reality, Joe. You know what a self-directed IRA is. Uh, I know what a self-directed IRA is. Alex knows what a self-directed IRA is. But just about nobody else does. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, out there in the real world, outside of the real estate investing expertise area, nobody's ever heard of that. They think a self-directed IRA is the thing that lets you choose this stock versus that stock. And so it's my objective to get in front of those people and say, look, there is an alternative. Here's how you do it. And you can make more money and do it more safely. That's, that's really what I want to do. Use this thing for is to get the word out. Yeah. I'm looking here. You have an episode called the evidence, why the stock market could be scary for the next five years. What do you mean by that? Well, there, there are some studies that indicate Based on how the economy looks, uh, for example, uh, there is a pretty big divergence going on between uh, GDP and actual real economic growth. And when, the, when there's a divergence in, in those two things, that usually suggests that there is what everybody in, in the industry refers to as a correction. I think that's kind of a funny term to use to refer to a, a fall in values, but that generally indicates that there is a correction coming. Um, furthermore, stocks are undeniably overvalued. Well, if you were to read the industry trades just in the, you know, on CNBC or Barron's or anything like that, if you were to read those, those, uh, or consume those, those pieces of information as they existed 10 years ago hmm. versus as they exi- exist now, what you'll find out is that PE numbers and all the, all the, data that is used to measure the expensiveness of stocks, those numbers have changed. Those factors have changed. They, they don't work anymore because the old numbers make it clear that, that the current market is really, really unattractive. So taking that and factoring it in with, with the reality that the stock market offers no security whatsoever. I mean, when it falls apart, you're screwed and that's it. Taking the, those things together, we simply absolutely believe that there is a time of reckoning coming for the stock market because the other thing is you've got to understand, Joe, is, is that during the last several years, 
there has been between 50 and $100 billion a month of money pumped into the stock market every month by the Fed. And that has inflated the market dramatically, and that's being rolled back presently. Well, how do, and the reality, how do they I'm do sorry? that? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but how do they do that? How does the Fed do that? Basically what happens is, is, is that they, uh, they, they provide funding for the banks, uh, the, the big banks, uh, at, at no, you know, no interest rate, no, no expense. Okay. And so the banks are able to get that money and, 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 and the big investment funds as well and use it to essentially prop up the stock market. That is, that's, uh, I believe this ba- that's basically a handshake deal between the uh, government and, and the banks because it really it, it benefits the perception of the stock market, which helps the big uh, financial companies and it helps the, the government as well. Okay. Interesting. When you're talking about self-directed stuff, you're not talking yep. about um, investing in index funds, uh, in REITs. Uh, you're talking about taking more into control, into your own control, um, your right. own personal investments. And again, the three different main things you were talking about was, was defaulted notes, right? Not necessarily just defaulted notes, but uh, real estate notes generally. Yeah, okay, uh, good. Tax lien certificates and cash flow producing real estate. Nice. You talking like hard mo- even doing hard money kind of absolutely, style? absolutely. That that is a component of real estate notes from my perspective. I, I love the hard money business. Absolutely. Now, do you? Um, I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask this. Like, do you do your own investing as well? Oh and, sure. And so then, are you? Because you're doing this podcast, you're probably finding a lot of people who are looking for places to place their money in their, from yep. their self-directed IRA. Is this yep. also now giving you some opportunity to, uh, to, to work with investors? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. You, you know, I tell my listeners that the ideal scenario for them as far as getting involved in real estate notes is that they work with someone who knows how to find and evaluate those notes but who will also have some skin in the game with them and, and, and do note deals with them. Yeah. And that's what I do. Uh, the, the approach that we take, Joe, is that I buy these notes myself, and I hang on to them, let them season a little bit. Oh, really? And then I sell off a portion of them to to investors, a lot of whom come from the self-directed investor radio show. So the net effect is that the investor that I'm working with, uh, they end up getting the advantage of a note that has been seasoned and proven, they also get the advantage of knowing that I have something to lose if that note doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it really is a very complimentary type of relationship. And it's one where I can recommend that with absolute confidence because my money is not merely going to be on the line. It's already on the line. It sounds a little complicated to me. Um, and maybe I just, because I've, I've never invested in notes before. Sure. Could, could you explain a little bit more how that works? Maybe simplify. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So if you're my uh, prospect, I'd say, Joe, so I've got this, this note that's paying 350 bucks a month. A note, from, pay, a note from what? It's a, uh, it's a mortgage note. It's, it's a first mortgage note on a little house in Toledo, Ohio, for example. Was it a, an owner financing note or was it a note that a bank nope. had that, they've, that they're selling now? Uh, that particular one was actually an institutional note. Okay. All right. And um, just so you know, my prospects don't ask those questions. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I'm happy to provide that information, but uh, they don't ask those questions. What, what they're interested in is, yeah. is 
how much money can I make and how safe is it? Right, right. So, so basically my pitch is, Joe, I've got this, this note that's paying $350 a month. Um, and uh, if you pay me $10,000, and by the way, I don't know if these numbers actually work out, so yeah. um, uh, disregard that. But if you pay me $10,000, I will let you have the next 60 payments. And that'll, that'll equate to a 12% return. How does that feel? Well, well selling, selling partials is really cool. I mean, I back in the day, um, when I, before I even started in real estate, um, there was a guy out in the business uh, who actually got in really big trouble um, selling, winning in the cash flow business. And that kind of, you ever heard of that, Brian? Yep, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, he was kind of in the uh, guru education space and um, did, a, you know, did a lot of different things. And what was really cool about that was he was teaching people how to flip notes. Um, yep. And you could, you could do the same thing. You could mail, uh, just like we look for wholesale deals, we could mail owners who, who uh, sold their properties using owner financing. And uh, you could, buy their, you could uh, buy their note or a partial of the note. Um, and it, it's, it's actually really, really cool be, just because the way it works is like, okay, if you sold off, and I, I don't even really know what the numbers are, but if you were to sell just a portion of the note, you still almost have the entire note left on the balance when you're done yeah. with it. Does, isn't, that, isn't that the way it works? Like, yeah, it, I mean, it really is. And, and, back and in we, the day too. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, we, we buy them that way too. I don't, I don't just sell them that way. In fact, this very morning, like this morning, uh, I, I got a tape in from a guy who has some properties in Detroit. Now, Detroit, I'm sorry, some notes on properties in Detroit. And Detroit's a pretty scary market. Um, and I don't know uh, it intimately. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not really inclined to do it, but I made him a ridiculous, ridiculous partials offer where I would only buy a couple thousand dollars worth of the front end of several different notes. And, um, but, but, but my yield was going to end up being north of 50%. And, and yeah. he's gotten back to me today and said, you know, I'm, I'm seriously considering that. But the cool thing about it for him is that he's going to get those notes back from me in a couple of years and he's still going to have the vast majority of the value left on it. So it's, it's really Absolutely. a pretty cool thing. I mean, and, and, and also, um, back in the day as well, and I can say this guy's name, Ron Legrand. Uh, he yep. had a uh, FISBO course, uh, for sale by owner course, and one of the strategies with that was uh, when, you were, when you were selling at the closing, t or you could show how the seller, and I don't know if you can do this nowadays, but let's say you got the seller to take a uh, owner finance note at the table. Yep. Um, you could then find somebody to come in, and let's say they needed cash. So the whole idea is, you know, sellers like, well, I'm not getting any money if I do any owner financing on this thing, so I'm not going to do it. But he showed you how you could get the seller to sell a portion of their note at the table and still have a vast majority of uh, of their uh, of their balance or their principal left when they when they did that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know if there's anybody buying no brand new notes anymore like that. Well, but. you know, there there used to be a lot of that back in the late '90s and early 2000s. Yeah, uh, it, exactly. it was happening all the time. But no, there there is no institutional purchasing of of that kind of brand new note any longer. Right, right, right. But we have yeah. uh, we had an interview with Eddie Speed on the podcast yeah. about six eight months ago. Really good interview. 
anybody who wants more information about notes and how they work should go check that out. Absolutely. Eddie's the man in this. Oh, man, he's a genius. And, and my eyes still glaze over when we start talking about notes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of intimidating to me. Uh, maybe I don't know why. It's I all the same. It's just, it's just not a house. It's not a piece of property. It's, a, it's just a note. It's, just a, it's money. But I don't <laughs> That's get, all it is. I don't get the whole partial thing. Like Eddie talks about, if you he, saw the math on it, you'd be amazed the way well, the way it works. I know Eddie Eddie Speed showed it to me once, and I was like, well, "That's amazing!" But then, like five minutes later, I was like, "How does that work again?" I, I forgot, and I I, <laughs> I did really well in calculus, and and you know I've, I I have an engineering degree. And oh my gosh! I, I Where'd you do math. your time? <laughs> I don't know. I I just don't like. I don't get. Where'd notes. you go to school? He's asking. No. I'm not going to tell you because then that'll make. I went to Iowa State University, Iowa State, in, cool. in, in Iowa. Oh, that's no big deal. I mean, that's well, cool. Uh, but Is that I, bad? N- n- no, I'm I'm embarrassed <laughs> though that I'm college educated. I'm really good at oh, math. Oh come on! And I don't understand <laughs> notes. I, oh okay. Oh, uh, it's please. okay, man. It's all good. Maybe it was there, my, there, my, Joe. It'll be okay. Maybe it was my upbringing <laughs> and I wasn't potty trained. Correctly or something. <laughs> That's probably what it was. You crawled too soon or something. It's my parents' fault. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's my parents' fault. But you know, okay, so explain the partial thing maybe a little one more time. Like, because you could as an investor, if you're are you're okay. you're selling like the front end of the note, and then after that you keep the rest. Is that right? Yeah, Just use a round figure of a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, fine. So you, you, this is much simpler than than you're thinking it is, Joe. And see, I don't I don't start at this point. The the point that I start at is okay, Mister Investor, are you interested in making, right. you know, ten percent and having a rock solid piece of collateral behind that investment, so that even if you don't get your payments, you're going to get lots of money out of the deal. Yeah. Well, invariably the answer to that is yes. So what I will do is I'll say, okay, I have this note. It's a it's a mortgage that I'm collecting on. I'm getting paid a thousand dollars a month on it. And you can pay me $25,000 and I will give you the next three, four, five years, whatever the number happens to be, of payments. And that's going to equate to you making a 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever percent return during that time. So the question is, Joe, do you want to collect $1,000 a month for the next five years in exchange for $25,000 now? Yes. Well, you, you run the numbers. You see, that's sixty thousand dollars in exchange for twenty-five grand. That's a pretty doggone good deal, right? That's, Without worrying that's the about size of tenants it. and toilets yep. and problems and issues. Yep. You don't think about bank. any of that. You don't think about taxes or insurance. You don't think about any of that. Okay, it's so then just passive fl- income. At the end of that five or ten years, you then what happens? Then the rest then of the, the note is yours. The rest of the note reverts back to me. It happens automatically because that's the contractual agreement. And uh, probably what that investor will do is come back to me and say, can I buy five more years? Mm-hmm. And so I will probably say yes. And we'll just do the thing again. So, but because of the way compounding interest works or you're paying down your principal slowly, you have more rapid principal pay down at the end of the note, right? That's right. That's so right. Why is that better for you? I don't, I don't get well, that part. It, it, it may not be better for me. It depends on the how I purchase the note. You know, if I paid $90,000 for that $100,000 note, I'm probably not going to sell off the back end of it. But, uh, you know, and it, that little house in Toledo, Ohio, I mentioned, for example, that was a $50,000 note. So it's kind of a round number. I paid $20,000 for that. And, on, you know, on that one, 
we're, we're about to parcel it out and we will certainly collect the entire $20,000 back. And this yeah. is after having held it for a year and a half. So we are, we've already made, you know, 30, 40% on it already, but we're about to sell off a partial of that thing and we'll collect the entire $20,000 that, that we've got in it already. And that'll only account for the next six or seven years. Then we'll get it back and do it again and, and make a really nice return again. And you can do all of that inside of a self-directed IRA. That is tax-free, perfect, perfect <laughs> environment in which to do it. Yes, tax-free. It's a beautiful thing. Nice, a now, beautiful thing. Are these defaulted notes you're buying from a bank and then working no, with no, people no, no. and making them whole? Where? What's the source? That's a very insightful question. Uh, for for all your listeners, there are really three categories of notes. There there is what's called a performing note, and that's that's probably yes. most of your listeners that have a mortgage. They're paying their, their bills on time. They're there performing. Is a, yeah, exactly. There's a defaulted note, and that's people who have stopped making their payments, so it's defaulted. And then in the middle, there's something else. There's a thing called re-performing notes, and these are people who defaulted on their mortgage probably because they lost a job or something, but then they get a new job, they go through the loan modification process, and now they're paying again. So they're re-performing. So I stay away personally from defaulted notes, not because that's a bad business. It's not a bad business. But see, I am not in this for real estate. I don't want to end up owning property. And that's the reason that you do defaulted notes is so that you end up getting into real estate at a good right. price. Right. I am interested in cash flow, passive income. And so we really focus heavily on performing and re-performing notes. And I like re-performing notes specifically because you tend to be able to get those at a very, very low price and a very, very high yield compared to performing notes. But if the deal's right, I do either one. Interesting. I think I Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. <laughs> right, so right. can you give us a source or two? Like, you know, we'll say, yeah, you can mail to find these things. Yeah, you can make offers for properties on the MLS. Yeah, you can put out bandit signs, whatever. So what if somebody wanted to find their own note, what would they do? You know, it's that's the the downside of the notes business. It is kind of an old boys network, and uh-huh. if you yeah. want to be able to really have access to a lot of inventory, you got to know people. Um, you, know you can do direct mail campaigns uh, to owner finance uh, mortgage owners, and that right. does work, and that's a yeah. completely wise and intelligent thing to do. But uh, really, if you want access to a lot of this stuff, you've got to know somebody. That's, that's really why we always recommend that folks who are, may be interested stop by our, our, our site and check out whatever we've got available at the time because it's just not, it's not the case that these guys are standing on, on the street corners. This is, this is one of the reasons that financial advisors don't recommend this stu- stuff. It's, the biggest reason is they don't know it exists. They have no clue whatsoever. But even if they do, they don't know where to get inventory. So uh, that's really one of the big primary functions of Self-Directed Investor Society, which is the organization that backs up our podcast, is to connect our listeners with those types of opportunities. What is the website, Brian, people could go to to get more information on that? Uh, The website is sdiradio.com. And if you're interested in notes specifically, it's sdiradio.com slash notes. Cool. SDI. SDI stands for what? Self-Directed Investor. Right. SDIRadio.com and .com slash notes. That's correct. If they're interested in notes. Absolutely. Very cool. And so you're selling these notes. Can you talk a little bit about 
Dodd Frank, does that affect this at all, or is? It- yeah, what about the SEC and all that wonderful stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's rules I have to follow. Dear God, I need to look into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's actually fairly easy to sell notes, um, particularly since I own most of the the inventory that are we you, sell. You are selling securities, no doubt about it. Mm, well, no. Um, talk, no. You, you, you should talk to a securities lawyer. There, there are special lovely little exemptions for notes um, uh. that, uh, that I really enjoy and take advantage of. Um, now, we are actually about a week away at this point from, from having a uh, 506C, I think it is, offering uh, package available. So we're going to start uh, allowing investors through, through that mechanism as well. But, Do they have uh, to be accredited investors? Yeah, we're going to take only accredited investors. Meaning a million uh, net, correct? Yeah, a million net uh, exclusive of, of your home, I think is what it works out to. Okay. Um, and they have to have an annual income of over a couple hundred thousand a year or something? Yeah, I think, I think it's 250 for an individual or 300 for a couple, if I recall correctly. But yeah, we're, we're really only going to focus on the accredited market because uh, I... I I think there's plenty of those people in my experience, and so that's yeah. where we're going to go. Well, that's smart. Absolutely. But does that make you a little nervous, though, Brian? Because, you know, do you look at this as – well, I guess maybe another question would be, Brian, why why not just go out and buy a bunch of rental properties, right? Tenants why? and toilets and trouble. <laughs> sure. Do you think about that? Like maybe I'm just better off doing deals, or why do you like notes – better for your own investing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and the answer to that is, is a couple of things, actually. Um, you know, uh, rentals make sense. There, there, there is a place for rentals in, in, uh, in, in a wise portfolio. But let, let me just, can I give you a little example here to compare yeah, yeah. rentals versus notes? Sure. I'm going to give you a little pro- prototypical $100,000 house example. Now, I realize there's no such thing as a $100,000 house in some areas. So for, for your listeners who are living in Detroit? California or whatever, um, or Detroit, yeah, it's exactly. It's a mansion in Detroit. But go yeah, ahead. Yes. It, 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 it's an entire city block in Detroit. <laughs> um, so uh, for everywhere else, as a rental property owner of a $100,000 house, here, here's how your numbers might stack up. These are just kind of hypothetical. let's just say you're doing well. You're get, getting $1,000 of rent, of rent per month. Uh, taxes are going to knock out eighty bucks. Insurance is going to mo- knock out eighty hundred bucks. And there's the management fee. That's another hundred bucks. And you total it all up. If my numbers are coming out in my mind correctly, that is eight thousand six hundred forty dollars a year of income that you're making from that hundred thousand dollar property. So then there's also the issue of vacancy. Let's just assume that you're going to have one month on average per uh, per property per year. Yeah. Um, and then. We'll go really conservatively and say you're only going to have $500 worth of maintenance each year. Well, that, that knocks you down to $7,420 a year of income on that rental. That's 7.4% yield. Okay, everybody with me on that? 7.4% yield so far. Yeah. So the rate of return Meaning might, cap rate. Cap rate. So your rate of return might improve if the property value increases, and that's a good thing. But it's not something that, that I feel comfortable banking on because it is not – it's, it's not a guarantee. So 7.4% isn't bad, and there is the potential that the property will go up, your rents will go up. But unfortunately, taxes, insurance, and maintenance, all that stuff will go up over time as well also. It will happen. There is no question. So contrast that with this scenario. 
you have that same $100,000 house. And I'm, I'm just going to try and lay it out for you in a way where if you took a rental property and converted it into an owner-financed note, how it would look different. Okay? So instead of renting it out, you sell this thing. But you do it by providing financing to the buyer yourself. And because you're providing financing, you absolutely can. This is not theory. This is not something I'm suggesting may work. You absolutely can sell that property for more than the appraised price. And 10% over the appraised value is really, really common. So that's easy to do. So you sell the right. property like this. You pri- price it at $110,000. You get a down payment of $10,000 and you finance the balance of hundred grand at 10% for 30 years. These are all numbers that work today in real practice right now. Now, I'm going to spare you the details, but this yields an, uh, an annual return of a little bit better than 10% every year. Now, by the way, you don't pay the insurance. The buyer does. You don't pay the property taxes. The buyer does. You don't pay for maintenance. The buyer does. So for that same property that's effectively yielding about 10.5% versus 7.4%, it ends up being a pretty freaking huge difference. That's an $80,000 difference over 30 years. $80,000. Now, it's true that that rental might in- increase in value, and it could increase in value by more than, uh, than $80,000. But Which you would, lot. as the note holder, would have no interest in that. Yours is you just would have based no interest on in the that. note instrument itself. Yep, you would have no interest in that, but you would have made $80,000 guaranteed as much as it well, could actually, possibly be guaranteed. Actually, I take that guaranteed. back. You- you do have an interest in that because now your collateral becomes that much better and so does your yeah. uh, LTV and your um, debt to value. Or Yeah, or, yeah. Or, I mean, your, your note actually becomes more valuable with every passing year. Right. Assuming that the property at least maintains its value. So Your ITV, investment to yeah, value. Yeah, your investment to value. So, and, and by the way, that extra $80,000 does include the ten grand you collected up front. Now, this is the same house. In one case used as a rental, in one case used, uh, uh, sold via owner financing. Now, let me be clear. I am not, not, not saying that there's not a place for rentals in your portfolio. But what I believe is that the smart investor, and I've observed this, remind me to give you my observation about this in a moment, but the smart investor would be remiss if he didn't consider using self-direct, I'm I'm sorry, uh, owner finance, seller finance transactions as a fundamental basis of his portfolio because it is high yielding, it is highly secure. It is predictable. It is low stress. You can go to bed every night knowing that what's going to happen next month is you're going to get your check because you are not going to have the situation with with this thing that you do with rentals where maybe you have a a, a month or two of vacancy every year or two. I mean, think about it, guys. With, With a rental over five years, how many different tenants are you likely to have? <laughs> five. Five at <laughs> least. It's probable you're going to have at least five. And between every tenant, is it possible you're going to have two, three, four weeks worth of, of uh, vacancy? Maybe not for you guys. You guys are really good marketers. But for, for, and a for the average person. a $1,500 turnover uh, deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and see, that's not even factored into the analysis I just gave. I tried to give a really rosy picture for the rental uh, side of things. But. I gave you a very realistic picture for the seller finance side of things. The beauty of it is is you're collecting payments on a regular basis. You know what it's going to be. You don't pay taxes. You don't pay insurance. You don't pay maintenance. That stuff just isn't in – it's not necessary. It's not part of the game. So that's now, why me, I love it. Now, on this as well, when we talked about Dodd-Frank brief, uh, briefly, 
Dodd-Frank has zero to do with this because we're not talking about originating notes. We're talking about working with existing notes, correct? Well, yes and no. What I just described to you is the origination of a note because it's comparing renting out a house versus selling that house uh, oh, yeah. seller yep. financing. Yes. You are but in that case, it, it really doesn't matter because the, the answer is you, you – uh, there is a type of person, uh, professional, that you need to evaluate the buyer. I think they're called an RMLO or something like that, a Licensed, residential mortgage. Yeah, uh, yeah something Licensed like that. Licensed mortgage well, originator. Yeah, yeah, that, that person. So you pay that person 500 bucks to evaluate your buyer, and then you are compliant. And you're done. Now, yeah, Simple. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, we, we play by the rules for, for sure. It's just that uh, the, the rules – even though they're onerous, stupid, and indicative of everything that's wrong with government, uh, the reality <laughs> is it doesn't really hurt what we're doing. Right. Yeah, I was just talking to a um, some well long uh, long story, but I was just talking to a mortgage broker here in St. Louis, and he said, "Yeah, I can do all your seller finance deals for you if you want." He's a licensed mortgage originator. He said, right. I can do them for you. So there are mortgage brokers out there who can oh, do yeah. this for you in, in probably every major city in the country. So yeah, don't be intimidated by it. Yeah, No, absolutely not. It, it doesn't pay to do this <laughs> stuff yourself. It's very, very low compensation type, type thing. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's worthwhile to just pay somebody. Good, good. Well, I want to uh, change course a little bit, Brian, and ask you about the your education business you've got a really popular newsletter and <clears throat> can you talk I'd, I'd be curious to know how you got started into that you sure. you do a lot of deals you invest in a lot of notes and i mean you've how you've been in the business a long time i have what what made you decide to start this newsletter and why why do you do it what's the newsletter all about well Back in the day when I started it, I had no concept that it would become what it is now. Um, back in the day, I was I, I also went to engineering school. I went to Georgia Tech and was ah, good for there, you. There, yeah, I was there for about a year and a half and uh, uh, before I realized that I wanted to, to start my software company. And so I quit school and started a software company and was doing really, really well with that. And uh, it right about the time that my first daughter was born, I realized that working 90 hours a week wasn't going to work for me anymore. And so I wanted to find something else to do. And real estate is where I settled. And guys, let me tell you something. My first year and a half in this business, to say I was bad at it, oh my God, I, I, would, have to, I would have had to have improved a lot to be awful. Wow. Uh, it, it was, it was, I didn't do any deals. I just threw away lots of money, lost lots of time. It, it, it was pretty terrible. But I learned along the way, and this is something that I know that you guys know well, I, I learned kind of what I was missing turns out it doesn't matter how much contractual knowledge or how much technical knowledge you have. It doesn't matter at all if you don't have your marketing right. Mm -hmm. And so once I kind of learned that, put that piece of the puzzle together, I, I started doing a lot better. And it was about that time that I started collecting an email list of local investors here in Atlanta. And so I, I did a lot of wholesale deals back then. And I ended up collecting a couple thousand names of people here locally who were interested in buying houses. And uh, that was how I flipped my houses back then. I would I'd get the property under contract, send out an email, and three hours later I'd have somebody who had you know, uh, seen, seen the offer and faxed in an offer to uh, purchase it from me. 
it was uh, really quite the machine. And so that's how, that, that's how I got started in real estate. And that's also how I got started in the education business because at some point I realized that that email list that I was using to flip properties could probably be used for other things. And so we used it to, to generate mortgage leads. We used it to, to sell insurance uh, to, to our investors, et cetera, et cetera. And it turned out we could use it to, to make money in ways that had nothing to do with selling real estate but that were topically relevant. And uh, we naturally gravitated over towards the information marketing side of things because it was just such a good opportunity to, to teach and share people, to share with people exactly how they could get involved in the business and do, do the same thing. And so we ended up creating a program called Ruthless Internet Marketing that was really just an internet marketing program just for real estate investors. This was 10 years ago, I guess. Yeah. And um, it did very, very well. We, we, we left no doubt in anyone's mind because we would – uh, it was a two-day seminar, and on the first day of it, we would, in the in the course of the first four hours, the the morning session, we would use my email list both to find a deal and to flip a deal, and it was done all live in front of everyone's eyes. Oh, wow. And uh, it was that predictable. So that that was how I got into the uh, the information marketing business, and we have since built the newsletter list to to several hundred thousand subscribers, and and it is. Uh, it's it's been a great ride. I've really really enjoyed doing that, and look forward to doing it for many more years to come. What is the website people can go to to get on your newsletter? It is investing.brianellis.com. Again, investing.brianellis.com, and that's b r y a n e l l i s. Investing.brianellis.com. That's right. Cool. And b r y a n. Nice. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, Brian, you probably see a lot of stuff that goes on in the information business. Yep. And I, I imagine there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad in there. You're right. <laughs> okay. So You're right. How, maybe you can talk to the people out there that they're just getting started and they're getting bombarded with offers after offer after offer. They're going to boot camps. They're going to workshops. You know, how can you tell a good the good from the bad, you know, somebody who is offering a good course, a good coaching program from somebody who's maybe not. Well, there's, there's a standard in, in the law called preponderance of the evidence. Um, yeah. And what, what that means is if, if you look and you can see that something is obviously happening or obviously has happened, then that's a pretty good indicator that, that, you know, you ought to look harder there. And so like, like in, in, in your case, Joe, I mean, you, you've got story after story about people who are uh, your clients who are flipping deals, who are making money, who, who are just making the thing really, really happen. And, yeah. you know, you, you've got to be a pretty doggone good liar to come up with that stuff week in and week out. And, and you're not lying. You're telling the truth. It, it, it comes through. I would tell people to trust your gut instinct above your greed uh, because understand this. All of the people who are in the information marketing business, most of them are good people, really. And, and I know a lot of those people. Most of them are good people. There are some people who will separate you from your wallet as a matter of sport and not think twice about it. Yeah. And there is this notion of fear and greed, and all of us make our decision from the basis of those factors, whether we would like to do it or not. 
uh, whenever we're thinking unconsciously. So what I would recommend that, that you do is if somebody wants you to buy their training course, it might be the greatest thing or their coaching program, whatever. It might be the greatest thing in the world for you to do because I am a proponent of having my hand held by people who have gone before me and are smarter and know more than I do. I, I think there is overwhelming value to that. Sure. Having said that, just listen to your gut. Uh, try to swallow the greed thing that is going to come up inside of you as you see the pictures of big checks and, and you know, and the, the, the flashier someone's marketing is, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that they are dishonest. It, it does not mean that. It might just mean that they are very, very good at what they do. However, for me, the, the more big fat checks that you see or the more pictures of Lamborghinis that you see, the, the more I see all that stuff, the more nervous it makes me. Sure. And, and so use your gut feeling and, and just <clears throat> listen to your spouse about this too. Your spouse is, is frequently going to be wrong, by the way. That's a good li- one. Yeah, but, but you're, uh, listen to your spouse because mm-hmm. ultimately you're going to find somebody that resonates with your spouse as well. And when you do that, then you've got real alignment on the home front. Because yeah. if you go without your spouse, what's going to happen is you, you're fighting not just learning in the market, you're fighting your spouse. And that's a losing battle every time. That's a really good point. And I'm embarrassed I didn't think of that. <laughs> I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> no, Uh-oh. my wife is always right. I hate to admit it, but she's always right. <laughs> well, there's there's I something. So. Yeah, yeah. And there, there is something to be said with the women's intuition on that whole thing. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I, I, I've seen it time and time again with my my wife. Um yeah, when she's got a bad feeling about something, it just, yeah. You know, I, I may go ahead with it. Maybe it's a deal or maybe it's some kind of coaching program that I'm investing in. And and if if I don't listen to her, um, I get in trouble. And it, it's, it turns out to be a bad decision. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it happen time and time again as well. So it is important if you're going to be investing a lot of money in, into a coaching program, or an education program, uh, get you, if you're married, get your spouse on board, you know, and uh, get their feedback on it. I, I, um, well, I was going to tell a bad story about somebody else I know, but I won't because they might be <laughs> listening to this. I've seen it where somebody didn't get their spouse on board and the spouse found out about it and it got really, really ugly. And you just got to be careful with that kind of stuff. That's, that's really good advice, Brian. I like that a lot. Well, thank you. I like thank that a lot. Uh, and speaking of education, I was asking you before the show, uh, you self-publish sometimes different products yeah. of your own. Is that right? Yeah. You know, we haven't been doing that a whole lot in the last several years, but we did resume doing that this year. And the reason is uh, exactly what we were just talking about, product quality. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, there's really not that much new stuff coming out. And number two, there's certainly not that much great new stuff coming out. And so... What I have decided to do is that we are blessed with a big platform. We, we, we're able to get the word out really, really aggressive, really quickly using my, my email list. And so we're going to use that as a platform to share the expertise of real in-the-trenches experts. And we've got a, a product coming out in the next three weeks or so that it has two sides to it. One of them is... Uh, the private money side, this the, this person named Jackie Conkle is is teaching exactly how she has built a multi million dollar investment fund that 
you know, funds all of her deals and, and lets her uh, participate in hard money loans as well. But she's also a real expert in finding deals that are not on the MLS, that are not REOs, that are not traditionally listed, and that you would just never otherwise uh, be able to find w- without a few really ingenious strategies. Mm-hmm. And so we're going we're gonna to publish those two courses because I really just see them as, as an opportunity to make a big difference in the lives of the people who use them. So it, it's, it's an exciting time around uh, the Brian Ellis Investing Ladder. I, I'm excited about that, too, because I know, Jackie, we're, we're both part of Life and Air. And yes. you've, uh, you've heard me talk about Life and Air before. It's a great program about yep, me too. Uh, getting a, uh, creating a vision for your life and then designing a business around that. And exactly. So it's funny. I mean, we've, v- Brian and I kind of are semi involved in the same mastermind. He's in one part of the mastermind, I'm in the other part of the mastermind. Yep. But it's, it's, a, it's a great group. And I just want to give a plug and a shout out for it. If you go to lifeonair.com or just Google Life on Air instead of Millionaire, Life on Air, and get some more information. They do several events every year. Um, it's a great group of folks. But Jackie's in that group. I've known her for a long time. Yeah. I've spoken at her real estate investment club in, in, where is it, Appleton, Wisconsin, or maybe Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's great. up there in cold world. I don't know where. Yeah, it's cold and <laughs> There's just a bunch of cheeseheads walking all around the place, <laughs> wherever it is. And it's it's she's a great lady. She really does this business, and I'm really glad to see that she's actually starting to teach because she has a lot to share. Yeah, she really does. And and, and that's where I, I kind of look at myself as a defender sometimes of the education industry because it gets a bad rap, yeah. and that, and that bothers me sometimes because. Yes, it's deserved in a lot of ways, but I thank God for those guys that were willing to stick their neck out and put a big target on their back and come out with some kind of course or do some kind of coaching because oh my God, yes. if it wasn't for them willing to teach that stuff and share it, I would have never learned about this opportunity. I would have never learned about how to do deals and, and what kind of marketing works and what kind of marketing doesn't. And yeah, I've bought my share of bad courses and signed up for bad coaching. But anytime I didn't make my money back, it was because it was my fault. It was because I didn't implement the stuff that I learned. And sure enough, when I did implement the stuff that I learned, I made a lot of money doing it. Yep. So the uh, you know, kudos to you, Brian. I know it's easy with a huge newsletter like you have sometimes to be the target of unfair criticism. Um, it is. <laughs> you're you're just out there to make a quick buck and and to sell information. You really aren't doing deals, and what do you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just I just don't think that's I don't think it's fair. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's it's not fair and it's not accurate, but it's it's part of the business, and and that's okay. You know the the beauty is that every now and again somebody who buys one of those courses will go and do something spectacular, uh-huh. and that is uh, that that's a pretty big payoff. From a karmic point of view, if nothing else, it's it's, it's a beautiful thing because you know I, I I was much like you, Joe. I I bought a lot of books and did a lot of courses and didn't do anything with them for a while. But kind of once once all that stuff kind of settled in my brain and clicked, and I was finally ready. Well, then then the success ha- happened pretty quickly, but it didn't happen immediately. Yeah, and and you know what else? There's a guy here in St. Louis who's also in life in there. By the way, he just joined. And he's probably the biggest wholesaler in St. Louis, if not the biggest one of them. 
And he also uh, owns a bunch of rental properties. He knows St. Louis like the back of his hand. He's spending quite a bit of money every month on marketing. He knows and he tests everything. This guy is really, really smart. And he wants to do more deals. And guess what? He's decided he wants to start getting into coaching. And he wants to start coaching and helping people. And I'm just so excited about that because here's a guy who knows St. Louis, the St. Louis market better than any other investor out there probably, who's done a ton of deals, who has an incredible Rolodex. Like he knows all the guys to work with that you should avoid, the guys that you should work with. He's got access to the money. He's got access to just the knowledge in his head. And so I was having breakfast with him this morning and I was telling him, listen, this is awesome. You go for it 100% because you you can create – a system that is is can really really help people and help you do more deals at the same time. It's it's just such a great win win. That's a beautiful thing. And in, in, in fact, I, if if I was looking for a coach for real estate, I, I would give preference to people with really intense knowledge of the specific market that I'm located in. Right now, you know, there, there's a lot of exceptions to that. But I mean, think about that guy. I, I don't know St. Louis at all. If I were to move to St. Louis tomorrow, I would have a big disadvantage because I don't know the market. But if I hired that guy, mm-hmm. I'd be uh, I'd be able to compete with anybody basically from day one. That's that's huge. Relationships are huge. Yeah, and and if you could swing it, I, I, I was giving him some general figures of what he should charge for his coaching. But uh, I, I wouldn't hesitate if I really wanted to get into the business and knowing what he does, I would not hesitate paying him thirty thousand dollars. Nope. To work with him. Wouldn't, I, wouldn't hesitate a bit. I know that's a lot of money, and and uh, I would never feel comfortable charging that much for coaching myself. But that's how much it's worth because I know if I just hung out with him and did what he said, I, I could make that back in my first couple deals. And that's what it comes down to. Your, I mean, if you could make it back in one deal, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So that's But you know what he's going to do? He's going to go and charge 5 or 10,000 dollars for his first couple of years until he realizes that yes. people will actually pay it. So some <laughs> maybe the people there in St. Louis will take advantage of it while they can. <laughs> that's what you do. You got to go find those coaches that are just getting started in the business and then <laughs> Exactly. And then, wait, just work with them first and, and th- as they start wising up to their value that they're offering, they're going to start charging more and more and more. <laughs> exactly. It, it's frustrating to me sometimes because there's guys in this industry right now that They've been coaching for three, four, five years, and they're doing extremely well. And now they're charging a ton of money. And I'm like, dang, I wish I would have, you know, uh, started working with this guy before he became so well known, because <laughs> I would have saved some money. Anyway, I believe in coaching. I believe in education. It's it's really important. Absolutely. And, um, good, good. Let's see, Brian. I know we've, we're right at about an hour now. Uh, your podcast. Oh, that's going quickly. <laughs> it was a really good interview. I, I really enjoyed <laughs> well, this. Thank you. Awesome interview. You, you guys got to get on Brian's list because if you're not on his list, you're not going to see the announcements uh, when they start promoting Jackie's course or courses. I guess these are two things that she's coming out with. With yeah, you, Brian. They, it's actually two courses, but whenever we make the offer the first time, it's going to be a buy one get one. So you nice. buy one, you get the other two. Uh, so nice. it's going to be a beautiful thing. Jackie's a great lady. She does a lot of deals up in Wisconsin. Um, I'm, I'm excited that she's actually finally doing this because she's been talking about it for a while. 
And it's great that she connected with you on this. I, I'm really yeah, excited about it. Yeah, we got a text it. from her this morning, actually. She's, she's pretty excited, too. She, she's got a speaking engagement at a, at a RIA sometime in, in April, and she's going to be offering it to, to that group as well. So great. I'm excited for her. I know she's wanted to do that sort of thing for a while. Great. So it's going to be about private lending, which yep. is really important in this where we're at now with all of the regulations that are out there. And so you've got to be very careful you're doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be more about private borrowing than private lending. It's really oh. going to be about financing your own deals rather than, than lending okay. to others. If um, it so. wasn't for private money, uh, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at today with all the uh, construction stuff I've got going on. Yeah, <laughs> makes all the sure. difference, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so important to make sure that whatever course that you're buying is up to date. Because yeah, absolutely. That stuff changes so frequently. Um, and, and Jackie has been known for a long time in life in there as being the, the lady that gets all these crazy deals. And you, you hear her stories and you just scratch your head thinking, well, how on earth? What did you do again? <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's how this, you find those woman, wheels? She, well, one of the things that she does is it, so outlandish, but I can see how it works. She takes bandit signs. We've all seen We Buy Houses bandit signs. Yeah. She takes bandit signs and goes to the house that she wants to buy and puts a bandit sign up in the front yard facing the house. <laughs> That's the calling card move. I love it. <laughs> I've heard of guys doing that on uh, vacant properties, but not... Um, yeah, they, these are occupied properties. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So I'm excited for that. You guys got to go to Brian Ellis's newsletter. If you just Google Brian Ellis newsletter, you'll probably find it, but the link is investing dot brian ellis dot com b r y a n e i i'm sorry e l l i s investing dot brian ellis dot com and his podcast is a self directed investor show or a self directed radio show something like that self directed investor radio show is that right brian go. okay self directed investor radio that's it s d i radio dot com s d i radio dot com <laughs> I like the uh, the shortcut. In fact, I've been thinking about Alex. Maybe we should shorten real estate investing mastery. REI REI um, REI mastery podcast dot com or something like that. Maybe, but real estate investing is a definite good keyword. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, Brian. We sure appreciate it. Hey, it's been my pleasure, guys. This has been uh, been a fun time. I've really enjoyed it. Very good, guys. And you can get the show notes and the transcript to this podcast over at realestateinvestingmastery.com and just do a search for Brian Ellis or do a search for Self-Directed Investor and you'll find this show. And uh, download the transcript and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. In fact, we need, like, Brian Ellis has 260 reviews. I think we have 247. So we just need, like, <laughs> we just need, like, five or ten more and we'll have more than Brian. And, bring uh, it on, man. Yeah, come on. I, bring I need the competition. <laughs> <laughs> if you like this show, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. And, and go listen to Brian's show and leave him a review too as well. Hey, thanks, Brian. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys.